0: One another edition of the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast with Ricky Romero, Josh Tolley, and Beto Duran. And let me apologize to you right now, people. We were supposed to have Tim Raines on today, um, I messed up on the timing, I forgot that. The West Coast time and the Midwest and the East Coast—we all have different time zones. So I messed that up. So I gave Ricky the wrong information. Ricky gave Rock the wrong information. So, uh, regardless, though, next week for sure, Tim Reigns is going to be on. Uh, we apologize to you for you're looking in for Rick Rock reigns but it doesn't matter though, because we're still here for you guys every single week. Bethadren, Ricky Romero, Josh Toley, Ricky. Uh, uh, you know, you don't look a little chipper today. You all right, man? Need some cafecito? <laughs>
2: i didn't have a coffee yet i just got done with the workout and came straight up here but um yeah man i was looking forward to to rock reigns but i'm i'm still looking forward to it that next week he uh called and apologized and no biggie man i mean i'm glad we still get to do it and 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 go from here
0: you you tired though you you look tired rick
2: a little tired man i'm not gonna lie (laughs) a little (laughs) it's catching up now you know those uh I think the first few weeks you're like, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm good, and then it just catches up, and now it's like having trouble falling asleep. At like before, before the baby came, we were like, oh yeah, we're in bed at nine, nine thirty. Now it's like 10, 11. and next thing you know, the little one, the the middle one, is up at like five fifty on the dot every day, and it's just like, man. <laughs> 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 let me let me close this one. Let's go, let's, let's,
1: it's not a bad, uh... He's a mess right now, totally. He's a mess. Yeah, he's a mess, yeah. Back to back, it, he acts like he's blaming it on the on the baby, but I, I have a feeling you guys have been golfing a lot. No, no, we
0: haven't been golfing. I, what? I, I, I was golfing last week. Oh, I, I was on Bender's, Golf Bender last week. You know, I went down to play uh, Tory Pines where the US is gonna be in a couple of weeks, and I realized I don't belong on that course. Uh, I played uh, Monarch Beach and Dana Point. I belong there. That was, that was nice, real nice. But, no, I
1: haven't seen Rick in a couple of weeks, man. Hey, Beto hey, doesn't, Beto, who, it, it, Beto doesn't go belong. Any... Go ahead, Ricky. Finish your sentence. He doesn't belong if on any wrong.
2: other golf course. If he keeps doing the shit that he keeps doing, <laughs> like, I'm trying to be Happy Gilmore, like yeah, that was my next he... question. What is yeah. he doing? What? What am I doing? I'm having a good time, bro. Yeah, but it's like you're. you're I mean,
1: come on, a good time.
2: Yeah, I knew JT would agree with me.
0: So what? You know how hard it is to run up and do it like Hackney Gilmore. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm good. I'm good. I am talented. I am there. I'm good. No, okay. Any of that like pristine, know how to behave at a golf course stuff. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. Now, when I do go to the country clubs, I do tuck my shirt in. I'm fine. I've gotten better. I actually bought golf shoes. I'm getting there. Oh, okay.
2: That's hey, you're halfway home. I hope Tory Pines uh, saw that video and they never allow him there ever again for doing stuff like that. First of all, Torrey, I, saw, P- I took a message right away. I was like, "Dude, how do you disrespect a course like that?" Now, go first go do it at Pine Hole Course, all you want. Just That Pico Rivera course where you you play, but US Open, US Open place, you know, Tory Pines.
1: Uh, for yeah, the record, you can do you can do the Happy Gilmore at some dog track. <laughs>
0: But at Tory Bynes, why? Hey, that's who I am. I am a man of the people. I am doing what the people would do. And and for the record For the record, that T box, if you guys want to go on my Instagram, you'll see me doing it. Uh, that T box is at Tory Bynes. That's the T box that they're not going to use. That's the six hundred and ten yard one. So the one that they're gonna use in a couple weeks is a T box uh, before that. So that's the one that's up there by the cliff by the ocean. They don't even use that T box. So we went up there. So I beat up a tee box that they're not gonna use. I do have some respect, all right? Oh, I feel better. Yeah, yeah, some respect, not too much. Plus, they, they charged me 90 bucks up for the cart girl, so I, I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want. It costs more for a round of drinks than it did to actually play the damn course.
2: That's, yeah, they're expensive, cool. Hey, you've been, you've been to a club in Vegas. I mean, how much is a drink there?
0: I wouldn't like know, I, I, I don't know, I got rich friends, so I don't know how much it costs. <laughs> What's up, Razo? I always hang out with the people in charge with the credit card from the box. So when I work fights in Vegas, Toley, I don't spend any money because I go and fight, hang out with the people who have the expensive card, the, the expense reports. Heck yeah, yeah, let's go. Forget that. I ain't doing nothing. Yeah. What's up, Razo? Yeah. Hanging out. All right. Um, before now we get to before we get into what's going on in the show, Tully. Last week, we had a message after the great Tula interview that we had on the podcast. Go back and listen to it. And people really do believe that the urban legend that I'm saying that Tolly lives in the woods and he has no cell phone service. Like, people are starting to have this image of you really living, like, by candlelight in the woods, right? Now, uh, tell yeah. Ricky what you were doing today.
1: What did you do all this before noon today? Well, so I chopped up a cherry tree today. <laughs> Uh, with a chainsaw, my uh, I, I weed whacked for Catherine today around um around her little flower garden. So I got that done. Um, I came here, do my podcast, and then I go back up the hill to the golf course, and then I'll uh, trim some ditches, uh, weed whacking for my buddy over there. And then, I, <laughs> and then we have a little league game tonight, and I have a catching lesson tonight. I'm not doing. I'm doing the catching lesson. I'm not getting left
2: good thing tulo's not here or else he would be saying you are getting catching lessons Man, <laughs> and by the way that was a really good podcast i, yeah. I think uh, dude, I didn't, that I was didn't, dynamite. i didn't think that was good i think tulo i thought tulo was going to be a little bit reserved and he didn't <laughs> know what he would himself into but he clearly went back and listened to some episodes and i think that's what made him comfortable yeah and dude i got a lot of messages and a lot of people saying like dude, like you got him to open up like nobody really ever has and the fact that he told the story about how he retired and all that that nobody really knew i thought that was pretty cool too so i'm glad he was able to open up and and kind of just have fun with it i I, that's what i told him i was like dude we have a lot of fun we just talk shop and and, then there's nothing crazy because he was like dude what topics are we going to talk about like don't ask me anything about now or like i don't know anything that's going on now and i "I guess i like that and and i think it came out really good i thought it was awesome
1: i i i Ricky, I have friends that listen to this podcast that he- live here in New York, and they keep telling me. They said, "Wow, the 201 was outstanding." But as I was telling Beta a while ago, is you're starting to get interested. And now they go back and listen to uh, really all of our other ones, and I, I keep getting I-, I keep getting positive feedback, so I, I do love that. Yeah,
0: we are. Uh, make sure you guys rate, review, leave all the messages. Uh, we do see them all also on the Let's Go Ricky Roll Instagram. Got this message from Ross Marnie. Our listener in Scotland, uh, an OG listener. And I sent him the stickers back last year. Ross sends his message and says, Tula was so dope, man. He has that many O's in there. Uh, Love Totally on the podcast. Also, great addition. There you go, Totally. Uh, The stories about the haunted hotels. Guys and the clubhouse attendants. Love him. Love that stuff. Everybody hears the stories about the game in general. But it's great to hear the minor league stuff, the clubhouse stuff, the bus journeys, the plane stories. Love it all. Keep it up. Ross in Scotland. So appreciate you, Ross Marnie, listening to us in Scotland. So that's what we're here for. We're here to give the people the the behind-the-scenes stuff about what it's like in the big leagues. And I do know this, that the other day a friend of mine sent me a message, said he had his baseball team in uh, Central California listening to it. They They were listening to the Alan Trejo episode. And, they were, and he also has these kids. So we got high school kids at Rose, uh, Roosevelt High School in Delano, California. Their baseball team is listening to it. And he said these kids are like, dude, this is awesome. This is what it's really like to hear from those kind of guys. So we got Scotland. We got Central California. We got everything. We got it all. So here on the podcast for you guys. So you you feeling good, to- totally? I'm feeling great.
1: That fires <laughs> me up. Hey, we might have to clean our language up a little bit, knowing
2: that was nah. kids high school we'll watching this. Dude, have you been? That's what I was thinking, too. I, told, I think I told Carl after I was done with the tulip. I was like, man, like, maybe I have to tone down the cussing. But sometimes you just, like, it, you feel like you're in a clubhouse, right? And you feel yeah. like you know, the, what we're going for, and, and it just comes. Like, I'm, it's not like it's pre plan or we're going to – I plan on saying this many cuss words, but it's like it's a shop, and, and I feel like that makes the, the – The guests feel comfortable, too, because Tulo's dropping F-bombs and it's just like. Yeah, it it doesn't feel
1: rigid. Well, that's what I said. I felt like I had like deja vu. I felt like I was sitting in the cold (laughs) tub drinking a freaking uh, blue light after a baseball game with with the guys, four or five guys. I said, that's exactly what it felt like last week. And I love that about it. Now, let me ask you this, Tully. How, because I went back and listened
0: to it when I was running the other day. Yeah, I, I, I'm um, training to do the LA Marathon, Rick. In November, I'm going to do it. So, man, that's stupid. Uh, anyways, um, I was listen to it. How did you and Tulo become so tight like that where he can just say, hey, you're going to wear it today, and you know what's going on because you're a pro's pro, totally. But how did that bond come out?
1: It, our lockers were very close to each other in Toronto. So, I mean, we sit, we get there at noon, 1230 every day, and we get, we, you just sit there and you talk and, like, that's what we, we did for the first hour and a half that we were there. we go get lunch, come in there, sit, talk about last night's game, talk about today's game. And I just built the, the relationship with him. And I've, you know, I, I've spent the many evenings after games in his room having a couple beers, talking about the game, because we connected because that's we both like to do that. And there was not a whole lot of that going on in the game, you know, even as of 2015 and 2016. But he was one guy that that wanted to talk baseball, eat, sleep, breathe the game, and that's I think that's how we built the bond and relationship that we have.
2: Same with you, right, Rick? That kind of way. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Me, me and him go way back from our from our freshman year to up until now. It, it, we just had an instant bond, and uh, it, it took a while because when I when I got to Team USA, we had just won the World Series and i had talked to him before but not really like we just competed against each other and i remember when i showed up to the hotel i met the team in uh north carolina or south carolina i don't remember and i remember he was rooming with caesar ramos because they were both college teammates and caesar's like oh this is too low too low ricky this that was the first formal introduction and he was like very like 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 how you saw him in the podcast where he's like i don't care like i want to destroy my my uh enemy it's almost like it was like that, and they're like, "Whoa, dude, we're, we're teammates now," you know, like <laughs> that that rivalry of the Long Beach Fullerton uh, matchups that we had, and and then next thing you know, we hit it off. Like I, like, I, like I mentioned in the podcast, we, we roomed together, and it, we just grew closer and closer. That junior year, I remember when we got drafted, um, we were calling each other like, "Congratulations!" and then uh, he called me. Well, he called me first because. Uh, I was drafted before him, and dude, it was just that th- our bond just continued to grow. And then, obviously, once he got to the big leagues, he became a superstar right away. And um, for me, I don't, I don't like bugging people when when they're in the middle of doing their thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just you know we faced each other in the big leagues, like I said, and and next thing you know, we just you know he's, he ended up with the Jays, and Jays fans were happy, and uh, <laughs> they, got, they got out of him, you know.
0: Yeah, and it was like. When you tell me who we're going to have on Rick, I'm always like, all right, cool. Don't talk. I've been doing this a long time. I'm not intimidated by interviewing anybody. When you told me Tulo, I was like, fuck. Like, I don't know this guy. He doesn't really like the media. He doesn't do interviews. He's super intense. And when you're doing it on a podcast and everybody's on their computer, there's like a little bit of a delay. I like, I honestly, I didn't think it was going to be good, um, but I'm going to go with it. And then, we, like keep people behind the scenes like before we come on the show we talked like for what three four minutes and he's like yeah i've been watching you you do this this and this i'm like damn you did your research on me like oh man i'm like this is gonna be one of those days i honestly thought the podcast was gonna be like 20 minutes and then he was gonna hang up on us because he's so intense on it (laughs) no because it's like okay what more do you guys want and then all of a sudden he's opening up he even had a smile and i'm like but he is a nice guy you can just tell but that's just his demeanor and i'm like dude Dude, this guy was awesome
2: he talked about a guy who loves baseball like nonstop, and yeah. you know, to, to be doing it at the college level, that's a whole different beast. From what I've heard, you know, it's a, it's a job that's twenty four seven, or for the whole year. You know, whether you, if you're playing and after your season you're recruiting and you're just it's just nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And he loves it, man. He he told me he's like, I want to be the fucking Nick Saban of college baseball, <laughs> and, and I feel like he if he sets out to do that, he's going to go and do it. Dude. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't don't be surprised. Yeah.
0: You, the, one thing that uh, when I went back and listened that caught me because while I'm while we're doing the podcast, I'll write down notes on like what I want to edit and stuff like that. But what caught me was when I think one of you guys asked him if he they knew those kids on his team at Texas if they knew who he was, like how good he was. He was like, no, not really. He didn't say it in a cocky way. It was just more of, no, because they're kids. They don't really pay attention to what's ahead of them. But. Like that attitude from him was like, it's cool. I don't need to tell you who I was. Like I don't need to tell. I don't need to show you my baseball card because how many guys do we know that tell you everything? It's like, dude, you got drafted in the 60th round and you never got a pass uh, a ball or spring ball and you're like an instructor now, hey, right?
2: You know. You know what's funny? Um I don't know if you ever met him, Josh. Uh it, This it, it's a funny story. Um You know who was like that? <laughs> uh, Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer? Palmer? Palmer.
1: I met Jim Palmer.
2: What would he do? Oh, dude, I remember the first time I, w- I was a rookie and he's uh, down in BP. And you know how we totally, you know, we stretch um, on the third base side in Baltimore and and all yep. oh, the hitting BP. And he walked down and somebody was like, Hey, this is Rick Romero, Jim Palmer. And he goes, Jim Palmer. Uh, he drops that like his stats and he's like, I'm a Hall of Famer and whatever, whatever. He did. And then he's, like, and by the way, um, here here you are let me help you and he grabs my hand and tries to bend it because i used to wear a flat bill and i was like i kind of like jerked my head and i was like don't do that man i don't care who you are like don't do that (laughs) that's great yeah i kind of jerked my head i was like nah nah man flat bill bro flat bill but yeah he was like i think annoyed that that i had a flat bill and he's like let me help you with that and he like tried to grab it and bend it and i was like and I kind of uh. yanked my head. It's just funny, like it just brought that story team back right now that like you said Tulo doesn't care about it, like yeah, if you know him or his stats or what he did in the game. It's like he's just there for those kids. But yeah, I just remember that story. That was, I, I, yeah. I've heard I've
0: heard that Palmer story too, where he tells people like especially rookies, uh Hall of Famer yeah. Orioles, blah blah blah. Oh, dude, yeah. And I'm he, like, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> I, well, he yeah, but he, he, I would like, do it too. Yeah, oh no, I'm Bethel
1: Durant, Emmy Award winner. What? Yeah. Shoot. Well he, he walks around. He walks around the batting cage while the visiting team's hitting. And it is it is funny. I mean he's you could get Jim Palmer for a day. You might you you're gonna miss batting practice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know who I saw there hitting once uh batting practice at he was this was in like thirteen, uh Deion Sanders, dude, he was freaking mashing at, at Camden that year that I, that I that i was there it was my uh, yeah it was in 13 that was i think it was my last series of the year last time i played in big leagues but yeah i mean he was i just remember that right he was now. taking bp he was like yeah. 10 years done? Unsa- yeah
0: hey you know what let me ask you this though um all right i'm gonna ask a dumb question here now batting practice for the media we're not allowed to go anywhere near the cage we have to stay on the warning track and you have to stay behind and like, or the dugout area. Like, you don't go anywhere near the cage. You just know, like, hey, don't go there. Even if you're called over there, because one time Manny Mota called me over, and I was like, ah. Uh. It was like, felt like feel the dreams, where it's like, you don't want to go onto the grass area. I'm like, no, kind of no. But I walked over there, and then as soon as I got done with the conversation, I walked right back. But the old school guys, I saw Reggie Jackson do this a lot. They walk out there, and what are they telling you guys during batting practice? Because these older guys are advisors. They talk to everybody. What is
1: going on? Well, there, Beto, you know where I used to hit the ball uh, when I played here down over in uh, right center field. That's, that's where I used to hit them. <laughs> is that what it is? Uh, some of it. I mean, some of it's good. Some of it's good. If you can if you can get some, like, real baseball knowledge, but most of them, will, you know, tell a story about when they hit a home run in a certain ballpark or, yeah, when I played. And that's fine. I love those stories. I, I soak them up. They never bother me. They bother a lot of guys, though. I do know that.
2: Oh, hey, you can you can it, it, it brings you to another story that Josh that Josh used, used to do in Buffalo. Our uh our pitching coach was uh oh. Bob Stanley. <laughs>
1: hey, you know
2: who Bob Stanley is, right, Beto?
0: hmm
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh Bob Stanley is pitcher for the Red Sox. He was on the mound when Big uh, Dude, big dude. When yeah, Bill Buckner uh, missed a ground ball. Yeah. So every time at the end of batting practice, he'd <laughs> be so he would be like, steamer, steamer, steamer. Hold up, hold up, one more. And then they hit him a ground ball, and the ball would go under his glove, and he'd go, oh! <laughs> wait, wait. We didn't. I thought we told the. I thought we told the story already. No no, the story? no. no. Oh, okay,
1: well. Let me. If to all the listeners, if we told the story, I. I Who cares? I, I, tell I, it again. I, I'm gonna tell it again. So, Hell yeah. R- Ricky, Ricky's right. We would do ground balls beforehand. And uh, before batting practice. And Marty Brown would hit a ground ball. And Mike Nikias was the, he would be the base runner and act like he was Mookie Wilson. And I would oh. go to first. And I'd let the ball go between my legs. And Steamer would get so pissed. <laughs> uh, he would be yeah, He would be screaming at me and Nikias. And he's yelling at Marty Brown. Oh, uh, he's pissed. He's we used to tell him, Steamer, you were never going to get over anyways. You would not have beat Mookie to the base. Oh, bullshit, I wouldn't have. <laughs> Like, you know how he is. He's, you know, he's... So, so, so Here, listen to the story. So, um, we go to Fenway Park. I get called up. We go to Fenway Park. Adam Lind, I think, Lindy hurt his back or something. Somehow, or Gibby asked me if I could go play first base. And I played first base in 2007. Um, that was the last time I played. So, Fenway Park, Casey Jansen's pitching, Shane Victorino's hitting, the tying runs on second base. So Casey Jansen's going to throw Victorino cutters into him, right? I'm thinking, well, here comes the ball. Just get ready. We're in Fenway Park. Sure enough, he chops the ball to me, and instead of just backhanding it, it was a little bit in the hole. I shuffle my feet to like, chest it up, and it goes right between my legs. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember
2: watching
1: that. I remember watching that. So my locker, my locker was going was always like kind of tucked in the corner a little bit and, and Gibby's office was just it was a shout, like Gibby could yell at me and say, So I'm in there and I'm pissed. I'm like, Holy shit, I just lost our team in the game. And my phone is in my is above my locker and just buzzing like crazy. I'm like, Jesus, who keeps calling me? So I look at it and it's Marty Brown and Bob Stanley trying to get a hold of me. So all of a sudden Gibby says, eh hey, JT, come on in here. I thought, Well, I guess I'm out of here. I, I, that's what I assume. Well, he had he had Steamer on the phone and steamer I can't even I, I don't mind saying a few curse words on here, but I cannot even express the amount of curse words that came out of this guy's mouth after I after that ball went between my legs.
2: What do, what do you say? What do you say?
1: You, you're you no good son of a bitch. You deserve that. <laughs> That's what you did for spending two months, two months making fun of me at first base. You're should be back in the minor leagues. <laughs> blew me up hey, and Gibby, man. you know Gibby, I mean, Gibby, Gibby just, He's in the office. He's just dying laughing. And Gibby didn't know the backstory, so he was wondering what he was. Ugh. He didn't understand what was going on. So then I had to tell Gibby the backstory. Gibby thought it was great, dude this yeah uh, he was the Stephen was sensitive he didn't like that you, know? Ricky, you
2: remember he used to get so mad it was the 86 to, world series and he was always like i'm the one that had to face the media and this and that and they yeah. left me outside <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, was like, he's like what people don't know is that nobody wanted to talk to the media and i had to step up and and do it, and it's fucking bullshit, and-, <laughs> and get him going on that, man. I never wanted to touch that subject, but uh, these guys would get him. I mean, these guys are were- – Bob Stanley, I mean, what were they throwing, totally, like, 200 innings, right, That's Yeah. Believers. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, something there, I mean, crazy. There major numbers. Yeah, totally. Uh, and-
0: the- you weren't even born when that happened, right?
1: 86? Uh, October. Yeah, I think I was born because – well, what year were you um, born? I was born in 86, and it was, yeah. I was born October twenty eighth. It was right then. <laughs> no, I, maybe I wasn't born yet. No, because no, you the parade. No, because the Mets parade took place, like, on my birthday or the day after.
0: So th- th- here's the thing. That's why it's cool. That's why baseball is awesome, because you have these veterans. And, like, this part of what you gotta talk about that gets lost. You weren't born when this happened to this man. The most important play in his career. Stanley had an excellent career in the major leagues. He, he was a dealer. 20 yeah. years later, or what, 25 years later, some punk-nosed kid from Indiana is messy with him in what, the most painful memory of his life. He thought he was going to win the World Series. And no... Your punk ass is there doing this to him, messing with the big old smile, and he has to wear it because he had to wear it the entire time, and he couldn't wait. So you're in the big leagues. You boot this, and instead of saying, damn, we lost, he's like, no, let me call this fool, and I'm going to get there. You don't answer. He calls the manager, the manager of the uh, the major league team, to just rub it in. That's what baseball is about, right? That's what really matters. That camaraderie. Yeah, it
1: it is. That's what it's about. Yeah, man, and, and a lot of
2: a lot of cool things happen in BP like that, like you said, Bethel, that the media doesn't see, especially when you're at home and uh, there's no uh, there's no really media out there. You're on you're by yourself uh, with your team. So uh, yeah, man. I mean, a lot of cool stuff happens like that when if these guys get into competitions, hitting and they're screaming and yelling and ground balls, and meanwhile pitchers are just like getting a tan over there, rolling up. <laughs> Yes. These guys hate everything. Uh, position players hate pitchers. When like, if, if we're shagging, we're in the way. If we're not shagging, go get the fucking ball. So it's always like... <laughs> That's true, Ricky. I
1: got to give it to you. We, we get so mad because pitchers used to shag, and now they don't shag. Now they don't shag because they have to stay off their feet so they don't get too
2: tired.
0: Well, hey, Mariano oh, got man. hurt. Mariano got hurt Shaggy, Remember, he busted his knee. Uh, yeah, but
2: dude, I used to love shagging. I freaking on the road, Yankee Stadium, Boston, all dude, I, I was a power shagger. Like anywhere, anywhere, any stadium, I just I just enjoyed it. I also obviously made, I always make sure that I stayed out of the way. But there's some times where you get in the way and position players give you the eye, like what what are you doing, dude? Like I'm out here trying to get work. What are you doing? You know, and uh and or or if I miss a pop up or something, the, the hitting coach is all over me, and he's like, "And you want to play the outfield? You're fucking crazy! Get out of here, man! You stink." So it, it's just always like, yeah, we're we're in the way somehow, some way, and and these guys hate it. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know now. Yeah, I mean, obviously now they don't shag, but when I was when we were shagging, yeah, man. Like yeah. if you get in the way, and if you get if you especially a ball in the gap, and and the guy's reading it, and here comes a pitcher trying to make the play, and try to be cool, and and you get in the way. Dude, it's it gets serious.
0: Well, totally. You weren't here when we had a uh, Kevin Bijou on, and Kevin told the story how he's at Wrigley Field and the ball smacks him in the face, and Sammy Sosa's picking him up and takes him into the uh, to the batting cage, and Jeff looks at him like, I mean, uh, his dad Craig looks at him like, "Well, you should have caught the ball." Like his face is all
1: yeah. busted up, and Sammy Sosa bringing him in at the tunnel at Wrigley Field, like, "Get out of the way, kid." Yeah. What are you doing? I, I, I mean, that's what I, I miss. I miss the ball, bo- the ball busting and. And that that is, I, I told Tulo that the other day, actually. I said, I yesterday or last week's episode made me miss the game because I miss those yeah. types of conversations and the, that kind of ball busting because you, you truly can't get it anywhere. Yeah, And, and it, in a good way, right? In a great way. Yeah, absolutely. Y- y'all heard how Tulo blew me up, and I just wear it. And I just take
2: it. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and there's certain guys you can do that with, too.
1: Like yeah right you gotta know you have to know your people yeah you're not there's doing that.
2: that there's yeah. some guys that take it the wrong way or want to fight um or you know or they don't talk to you anymore you just got to ah. be able to uh, you know ah, i kind of i was always kind of just the one that ricky, you know ricky you're,
0: you're switzerland man you get along with everybody everybody loves ricky yeah. you're super nice, and that's a great quality in you me and Tony, we're gonna go and go after people Nah, totally, totally. I come just, in
2: like, I come Yeah, he could have been hot. He, he would take it. He would, yeah. Yeah. But, totally, at,
1: at the same time, they're just jealous of you because you get to play every five days. Yeah, once. that's why they're just pissed off. That's what Tulo said. They're pissed because I would just dick around for four days and then play it one day and then dick around for four more days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the best part was I, – I should have asked Tulo this. The best part was the day I played, though, I was like – stone cold like headphones in and i was doing it more as a joke because i used to make fun of starting pitchers that do that exact program they goof off for four days and then when it's their start date you're not even allowed to talk to them so i'd walk around and be like "No, nobody can talk to me today i'm playing (laughs) hey ricky say that's not true ricky
2: say that's not true it's true that's true that's true yeah 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 Yeah. i mean i i was the opposite. I, I I never wanted to be like stone cold. Like don't talk to me. I was. Yeah. It's just another day in the show. Let's go. You know. Like I'm. I would lock it in. I would honestly. I would lock it in from when I'd walk into that training room and it was time to stretch, and put on my uni and walk out to the tunnel. That's when I would lock it in. But prior to that, man, I was I was shooting the shit with everyone and I did I just and I, it's funny because position players will come up and they're like, "Oh, you're today. Sorry, sorry." And I'm like, "No, no, no. Don't don't worry about it. Like, don't like. I don't like." What are you gonna do three hours before the game? Like, are you ready? That's too much energy to waste, in my opinion, as a pitcher. If you're uh, locking it in at four o'clock when the game's at seven o'clock, it's like yeah. pump the brakes.
0: There's a time and place when you can get going. I like, that, like I told you, Ricky, the story about where uh, Dwight Howard's first time with the Lakers, and he's in the locker room eating chicken McNuggets and like bullshitting with the media, like uh, hour and a half before the game, and Kobe walks by and just headphones on and looked at him like. Like, just looked at him, shook his head, and Dwight kept on laughing. Whoa, 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 And I was like, oh, this isn't going to work well. That was, like, the first month of the season. I was like, I think I even told you, Rick. I'm like, something ain't going to work right. And sure enough, Dwight's like, how are you guys doing? What apps do you have on your phone? Blah, 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 blah. Dwight, this isn't fucking Orlando, bro. This is the Lakers. Like, step it up a little bit. Clean it up. And I'm like, "Ah, I shouldn't even be here, but Dwight's going to talk to us. Okay, let's go. Because you guys know this. The moment one guy talks to the media in the clubhouse, everybody congregates around him it was like, we have nothing, nowhere else to go.
2: So. Hey. No, that, that brings me to this. It's a funny story too. I mean, we were in Buffalo too. And, uh, and I remember, uh, Joshua laugh at this story because I, he, as loose as he is, as, as calm as he is, or as like, you know, funny as he is, uh, I was pitching and I wasn't, you know, like I said, I was in Buffalo. I wasn't doing very well, but I was locked in this game and, uh, and Josh, all right, yeah, Josh had a little bit of trouble catching, and Mike Picky <laughs> came up to him and was like, Josh, like, this is what you got to do to him. And, dude, he was like, not now, Mike, not now. Can I fucking catch the ball? Not now. And it was like, whoa. excited like, <laughs> Josh.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't so- catch the baseball. I couldn't block it. I couldn't catch it. The thing was, it was, the, the movement on the pitches were just all, like, the moves were so big, and I I just couldn't catch the ball. And I must have how many I missed? Ricky
2: probably three or four in a row. And then I yeah, came I in and knew, and it Nicky was one of those rare games that I had that were good in Buff. That was good in Buffalo, and, and Josh was having trouble catching it. And I was like, dude, don't worry, man, don't worry, like don't worry, man. don't worry, Josh. I, it brings me to this: Did you ever have a game like that in the big leagues where you were like, oh my god, my God. Well, I caught mean, I caught
1: R, R-, I caught R- yeah. A, so I had a lot of those games where. I mean, I remember in Houston, I remember in Houston very well, I was like lost. It was like nine nine pitches in a row. I was just batting down. And I, maybe I've told this story as well, but it, it, Joe West was the guy that was behind the plate and he called time, came in front and goes, God damn, you going to catch any of these today? Like that. And that was kind of the icebreaker for Joe. But it was one of those games where I wasn't sure if I could ever even do it. I was changing stances. I was on one knee. I was on two <clears throat> knees. I was like halfway standing up. I just couldn't catch it. And I believe me, I've had more of those days than but, not. But that was
0: a knuckleballer,
1: right? So that's a yeah. different world. With what about- a conventional guy, not with a conventional guy really. I mean, Ricky's stuff that day was just all – I mean, it was, it was moving so much. You would think it would be in one spot. They would just take off and boom, sink down, hard. Oh, it just nicked my glove right at the bottom of the zone.
2: And him and, uh, him and Mike is are like, we're our best of friends. And, and, you know, he was trying to help him out. And Josh wasn't having it. He patted me on the back. He says, It's okay, man. It's
1: okay. <laughs> oh, I lost it. I love it. Now, and
0: Tolly, I understand your frustration with Ricky because uh, when Ricky was uh, almost making that comeback, his throwing partner was me. So, oh, so. Oh. So he would throw from about 90 feet and just all of a sudden cut, cut. And I mean, I can yeah. catch, but I'm like, I'm not used to this. So, yeah.
1: You get so. hurt. You get hurt.
0: No, nah, not Where me, bro. stop
1: please?
0: Yeah. There, there was a fence behind me. I moved. I would move. We, we would literally play on a track, and there was, like, the, the plastic, the, the fencing around it. As soon as I saw it kind of cut, I was bailing out of the way. I, I mean, I'll yeah. Mind you, I'm standing up. So I know what's going on. I I was ready to throw, bro. I was ready to go to the Atlantic League. The noodle was feeling good for me.
1: (laughs) i get you you a job there if you want one. We're ready to go. Oh, where are you
0: at? Oh, Ricky, there you go. All right, hold on. Did I freeze? No, we're good. All right. Uh, Okay, so this brings me up to what I actually want to talk about. See, this is why, even if we don't have a guest, we're still good because the stories are so freaking good. Marco Favela has a good question for you, our uh, graphic designer. How hard is it to work with multiple pitchers? How much do you connect with them?
1: uh i marco i have i have um one thing I, I felt i took pride in was spending time with the starters and the relievers right the luxury i had being a backup catcher was i could be out in the bullpen during the game and catch and get to know them on a personal level uh so from that perspective i had a great relationship with most of them there's always one or two guys on the staff that uh always gave you fits but that was uh that's just kind of how it goes over the course of the season. Now, I will say this. One of the hardest things to do, doing what I did, catching a knuckleball, was when, let's say, RA goes six innings, and then all of a sudden they bring Aaron Sanchez out of the bullpen who's running 100.
2: Oh, fuck.
1: <laughs> that was always the hardest.
2: Yeah, it was that was boring. the hardest. And it was sinking, too.
1: Power sinkers. That was a guy. Ricky, I've had <clears> days with, with Sanchi where I felt like that. It's like, holy shit, I can't even catch the ball because it's just sinking and running so hard, and it, it just it takes off, and it's it's heavy, it's
2: hard. That That's, that's that comes- right. That's right. I mean, it's, it's not like R.A. was throwing complete games, so it had to have been you're Fuck. catching a game, and then this guy comes in throwing 97-plus. I, I bet the first pitch was like, whoa.
1: Yeah, so if you go back, and I, I'll guarantee you, if you were to go back and find, like, live on-field cams, and let's say R.A. gets hooked with six and a third, Right. And then all of a sudden here comes somebody that throws a billion out of the bullpen. I switch my gloves out. I catch my first pitch from both knees down because my tie- my eyes are not adjusted. And it takes at every bit of warm-ups. It takes a few pitches into it to uh no way. to get used to it. Yeah.
0: No way. I never I never thought about that. Yeah, I so, never thought uh, of that.
1: Yeah.
0: So okay, this goes another weird question. How many
1: gloves did you have? two two one one conventional glove and then one knuckleball glove like how big is the knuckleball glove uh the model it's a women's softball catcher's mitt if how do i explain it um it's called the pro spark i'll Hell, maybe if I remember next week, I'll bring it on. That's good. Yeah. I'll send you a picture for the Instagram. So do you go and you... you now,
0: what about when you put on the, the conventional glove? Does that feel weird after using the women's? feels weird. Yeah, I mean,
1: I use a peach basket. That's and, so <laughs> and then, big, and then my, my tiny little glove. Yeah that's, hell, yeah, that's hard.
0: Totally. you know what? This is why, you know, we appreciate you, totally because you, you admit that, damn, it's freaking hard. Like, okay, like, oh, no, it's okay. I can do this. I can do that. No. You know? So what's harder, chopping down a cherry tree in the morning or catching RA?
1: Catching RA, I am a master, I'm a master at cutting up cherry
2: trees. And <laughs> people don't know, RA was a perfectionist too, man. Like he wanted his shit clean behind the plate. Like he didn't want pass balls. It, it, like I, I mean, I watched him throw a few bullpens in in two thousand uh, thirteen or fourteen. And, you could just tell he was like he knew how to make a knuckleball move which was even more impressive he knew what he wanted to do with the knuckleball like he would have totally set up in a way i'm gonna do this with this one i'm gonna do that with that one and i'm like hey, yeah. all that doesn't spin and this guy's just sitting back and just dude just sucking it in like a vacuum <clears throat> crazy totally
0: another dumb question wherever ra went did you go with him was that kind of like the
1: package deal yeah, I mean, we, it, it only happened once in our career. We got traded. We got traded from the Mets to the Blue Jays, and I think that was part of the deal to, to do that. Um, that he, they wanted somebody that had experience in the event that JP couldn't do it or
2: whoever was coming couldn't couldn't catch him. So that that was kind of how it worked. Wow, and it was. It was Josh and and Mike Nikius came with Josh because if Josh went yeah. down, Nikias Nikius was the next guy to catch RA Dick and he could catch RA too. So yeah, man, they they Nick, both Nicky came could catch him good. Together. Really? They both, yeah. yeah, they both came together on that deal.
0: So it, it usually it's a player to be named later. No, it's the catcher to be named later. It's that's who it is. It's Tony's totally coming came through.
2: To catcher and RA. So with hey. Tony,
0: totally, with Tuna's talking shit to you like saying, "Oh, that he put you in his bag and he gave you a career," he kind of.
1: Well, okay, hold on. Let's debate <laughs> this real quick. Let's this real quick right? I, I've, I've talked in depth about this with people. Okay, here's the deal. I'm playing every day. I'm, listen, I'm playing every day for the New York Mets at the time. 2011, 2012, I'm catching a time, Right? I get traded to Toronto. Alex signs me to a major league contract. Pays me, which was unbelievably nice of him. Um... And then I get optioned to the minor leagues. At that moment, I then became like a specialty catcher. So maybe if I didn't get traded, I would still be catching for the New York Mets. What do you think? Um, Would, you, would you be on one knee? That's the question. Would you be doing the know. one knee? I don't know. I, I, might, be, I might be on two knees. <laughs> hell, I might not be, hell, I might not be able to walk. Uh,
0: hey, Marco has this other good question right here. How does R.A. Dickey ask you to be his catcher? Like, hey, want to be my catcher forever?
1: (laughs) Yeah, how'd you come about about being my catcher? Let me tell you, that's not how that went. (laughs) Uh, Totally, you're the best. You're the best, totally. Here's how it went. 2010, I I get called in the office at spring training. Terry Collins, Terry Collins, skipper, I think? No, Terry Collins wasn't the skipper. Jerry Manuel? Jerry Manuel might have been.
0: 2010 Mets? Okay, I'll, I'll figure. Anyways, go with the okay. start. I'll get you.
1: Yeah, regardless. Regardless, the skipper called me in. Um, no, it definitely wasn't Terry. It had to be Jerry. So I get called into the office. They said, hey, we just signed this knuckleball catcher. You're going to go to AAA to start the season. They told me this in spring training. They said, unless somebody gets hurt, then you'll probably be the guy. So they said, we signed this knuckleball guy. Why don't you run around, learn how to catch him, just so you don't have an off day in AAA A. And then you get to learn how to catch a knuckleball. So I did that. I took that advice. I, ra- I followed RA every single day in spring training, and I just played catch with him. I caught all of his bullpens. I kind of hogged it a little bit, right? And it, it it worked out. It worked out as to I was fortunate enough to to learn how to catch him. And then in 2010, RA got called up to the big leagues, which then in turn put me in the put me back in the big league. So you know, it's six to one, half a dozen of the up. But I feel, I I do feel as if, um, so Marco, that's how that came about. But I do feel as if, like, I, I you often wonder if I wasn't a specialty catcher,
0: yeah, would
1: I have been an everyday catcher? You don't. Know. I mean, nobody knows. I I do it just buck balls. But I, I think it's uh, it's kind of it's, it's funny.
0: You it would have been you and Yachty competing right
1: now. Jesus, most games most games caught in the history of baseball. <laughs> uh,
0: But that kind of says a lot about who you were as a player, too, totally, where it's like, hey, whatever you tell me to do, coach, I'm going to go and do it because you want to go and figure things out. And I'm looking at the 2010 Mets roster, and it was Jerry Manuel. Um, Rod Barajas was 34 years old. Rod go. Right? Uh, Henry Blanco, 38 years old. Hank White. You're not messing with Hank White. He's 38 years old. They're not going to go and chase after it. 23-year-old Josh Tolley. Is going to do what you got to do to stay on the team, right?
2: Oh, you mentioned yeah. uh, Henry Blanco came to Toronto too, the, the year in 13, right, Josh? Yeah. He was in spring training. Yeah. And dude, it was funny because Josh would always bust his boss Hey, Hank, come on, man. Let the young kids play already. Go retire. Yeah. You're, you're, you're taking up a roster spot. Look at these young kids. We want to play too. We want to play in the big leagues. It's time for you to go, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Henry was awesome man he what what a great dude that guy was is is. he's obviously still coaching now i I believe in big leagues yeah i think
1: with uh is it washington i think so Uh, i think that's what he's he's he's
2: coaching coach right
1: yeah hey let me tell you that dude he taught me so much i learned that year in 2010 i just sat and picked his brain every day and uh, he, he would have me in tears, but his baseball IQ, obviously. I mean, he caught Greg Maddox for a living, right? Like his baseball IQ is through the roof, and yeah. just learned so much from him. But but I, I had a good relationship with him, and I, I would always bust his balls. I say, "Damn, Hank, come on, let the kids play." I said, "Enough of your old ass, get out of here." But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, he's at. That- <laughs>
0: You're right. <laughs> and chamo man chamo venezuelan uh he's actually currently the nationals bullpen coach right now uh yeah he had a long career finished up with the mariners in 2013 hank white i've
2: always, uh, said, I mean, I've always said this we should You're get him gonna, on get him on he ain't got nothing to do i have a pitching coach in the in the bullpen what better than a, than a veteran guy who knows uh, who was a catcher who knows a pitching staff? Like, what better guy to have down there than a guy like him? And it's cool that you see, you know, it's not always just uh, pitch, pitching guys or guys who have a pitching background. It's a, it's actually a catcher who caught in the big leagues for a long time. So I think that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, we'll yeah, to, uh,
0: yeah. And uh, so th- that was a good squad for you. Justin Turner was on those 2010 Mets. He had four at bats.
2: Yeah, he was an at even- Yeah. Yeah. Go
0: figure. Uh, Tolly, here's another one for you. People love Tolly. I told you when I was a kid watching you, I always thought you had a massive Southern accent. Maybe it was the chewing tobacco.
1: Southern man, no, Tolly. Bubble gum. Bubble gum.
0: Yeah. Bubble gum or sunflower seeds. That's it, right? No, 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 no
1: chaw. No big chief like they said in the south. <laughs> unless, unless we needed some hits, then I would, only if we needed hits. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing
0: a throw in a rally, throw in a rally, chew for the guys. There you go, there you go. Now, see, this was fun right here. See, I told you guys, just do the show. People love it. We need it. We're here for you every single week. Uh, 10 o'clock Pacific next week for sure. Tim Raines, we already locked it in. Time wise, everything's locked in. He has the uh, the link, so we will have Tim Raines live next week. Hall of Famer Tim Raines. And uh, totally, did you hear the shout out we got on uh, Sportsnet last week? Oh, from Hazel May. Hazel May. Yeah, followed us, check, watching the show. Appreciate Hazel May. Yeah, and that's
1: that, uh, that's huge. Hazel's good. Yeah, and then Ricky uh,
0: goes on Sportsnet
2: with uh, who do you go on with, Rick? With Jamie Campbell. Yeah. He, they said that they were or Shy Davidi off air said he's like, hey man, it's on my things to do. I want to make sure I I listen to that episode again. These guys were, um, you know, from the messages I got, they were just like, man, you're getting more more out of these guys than we ever did. Same with Bautista. Uh, when we when we did that episode, it was the, the same thing. Like, dude, the, you're, you're getting these guys to talk and feel comfortable, and, and you know, I'm like, hey, the mic is there. When, when they come on, <laughs> right? Yes. But they trust us. They trust us, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They know. They know that there's going to be no nonsense, no bullshit. It's very black and white. They know what we're about. If they don't feel comfortable in something, they'll just say it. They know. I. I I, I had the sense of Tulo, like, Tulo felt so comfortable that, yeah. n- like, nobody's going to ask any stupid questions, nobody's going ask any hard questions, we're just going to, we're going to talk, and this is what, the thing about it is, reporters would get more out of baseball players if they just opened the floor a little yeah. bit, instead <clears throat> of saying, hey, how, how did you feel tonight? I felt like shit again, how about that? <laughs> is, that is that what you're looking for?
0: <laughs> kind of yeah most of the time yeah and uh like that's some of the things that i do when i talk to young kids and i tell them like look young reporters be a person first part of the reason why yeah. i'm you know knocking my own wood but like successful is because i'm a person first and then you have to build that relationship you can't just come in cold and be like hey why'd you suck tonight like you gotta yeah. build that up to where we're going that's why you know ricky and i hit it off years ago or people were i deal with i mean i also had guys i don't like and guys that don't like me but hey they're there's, there's a reason they're not in the major leagues anymore. Uh, and I'll tell you who he is. He's the outfielder. Anyways, um,
2: <laughs> it's, only, it's always the 4A guys, right? Totally. It's always the 4A guys. But you also have to understand that the, 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 the one thing I always said, the yeah. media has a job, and, and yes. just be respectful of that too. You know, just be exactly. respectful that, that they, they got a job to do. Yes, they're going to ask them questions sometimes, but just, just deal with it. And I feel like – for me, even you know, when I was at the top of the top and the lows of the low, I was the same with them. You know, it was never like a, why are you asking me that question? It was like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, it, sometimes I feel like, and you would know, but sometimes it comes from the network itself, right? I yeah. mean, like whoever, they're saying, hey, ask these questions. Yep. And they have to ask them. And, and as as dumb as they sound sometimes, I feel like it's just part of their job.
1: Well, I, I'll say this. I'll say this because people say playing in New York is so hard. And it is. Don't get me wrong. New York media beat you up. They, they they can chew you up and spit you out. But the one thing that I learned was in in Jay Horowitz that would be a great guy to have on. Oh yeah. But and Jay Jay had taught me at a very young age, getting into the major leagues that accountability, be there, tell the truth, and and I think there's no truer statement than being accountable. When you shit down your leg, come and stand in front of the cameras, take your lumps. Because if you don't do that, these people, they will chop you up into pieces. If you do that, they're, they're more apt to being nice, I yeah. guess. It, I, it's a- nice, I don't know if nice is the right word because, hey, I've had, there's some guys in New York media that I'm, I'm, I have a decent relationship with. And they, would, they wouldn't bat an eye at writing a bad article. And they'd say, hey, JT, I just got to do this. Yeah. Sorry. No, like, it's you're uh, playing like shit right now.
0: Yeah, what do you want me to do? The New York media is different because there's so many different outlets. So there's so many people inside the clubhouse. And, JT, you might have had like 10 reporters at your locker, but there might have been 15, 20 at a Yankees game. It's just so different. Same thing with the Dodgers. You'll have 10 people at one game in Anaheim. Pujols will be there. There'll be one person, and that's usually the TV network. It's just different markets, different. At the end of the day, if you mess up, just stand there, wear it, and move on. And then we forget it, all about it. It goes away tomorrow.
1: It goes away tomorrow. It goes away.
2: It, it does. It really does. And and, and when you're struggling, it, it it like JT said. Those guys say, "Hey, man, like I sorry, like I I just I gotta do it, you know." And it's like, dude, I mean, it you can't job. be all the time. It can't be like. Oh. oh, yeah, he uh, you know, he battled. He gave up 10 runs and <laughs> 20. Minutes. No, no, oh, no I didn't battle. I didn't battle. It sucked.
1: Yeah, yeah it sucked. that's right.
0: And, and, but you guys also respect somebody who would rather tell the truth all the time. And as long as you're there, I'll also learn that also yeah. early. Because while I was working Sports Talk Radio, I told early, hey, if you're going to rip somebody, you better show up the next day and stand in that locker or that clubhouse and be like, look, yeah, I said it. I'm here. Like, I'm not hiding from you.
2: Like, you know you know uh, why and, and you know you know why it's cool too because these media guys when when they're talking to you off the record it, it becomes a a me to you yeah. relationship you're like okay like this it, it's cool I, I dig this you know and i understand the the business when he has to turn it turn it on and be like okay this is the i gotta ask but then there's the guys that are like you know yeah. try to try to like just it. it, it it's all for show i feel like yeah. and kind of see that and, yeah. and feel that. But,
0: Those guys usually don't last too long.
2: Um, but for the but for the most part, I feel like in Toronto, I had a good relationship with almost everyone. And, and I think that's part of the reason why I've been able to come back and, and have a good relationship with them. Yeah, that's why you're
0: getting better at TV. Tolly's going to be a TV guy pretty soon. I'm going to get you guys going. Tolly, this is your 11th podcast episode with us. Uh, make sure you guys go back and listen. If you're new to the podcast, uh, we started episode 40 with Tolly, The show updated in March. Uh, we've had talk about his Venezuela experiences, ghosts. Uh, we've had Joe Musgrove, Alan Trejo, Pat Hankin, uh, Detroit Tulowitzki. Those are only, you've only interviewed four different people. So we're getting better. Go back and rate review, listen to the other episodes and you'll have a lot of fun and you're going to see the progression of Tolly. Tolly started off in rookie ball. Tolly's in the big leagues now, man. He's, Ooh, he's well, great.
2: I, I, the more I listen to Josh, honestly, and, and, and I would tell him, not just because we're in front of a camera right now, but, um. I, I wish, like, I would listen to him on a pre-game show any day, just I because can't. he, he the, the way he understands the game, the way he talks about it, the, the looseness of it, he relates to players, but he can also be a pro at it, yeah. um, when, it when it comes to talking hitting, catching, and when when we met, I, I say it again when we met, when I mentioned him coming on the podcast with us, I was like, what better guy that's seen yeah. that has a relationship with pitchers and also has a you know relationship with position players and on the offensive side, but. I'd, I'd like to see him, and 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 that's something we, me and him, have talked about off the record or off off camera um, about maybe ho- one day, hopefully going going up to Toronto and, and, and working man, together.
0: Forget yeah. Toronto. I, I need to get you guys on MLB Network. But <laughs> the views and opinions of Beto Duran are the views of opinions of Beto Duran only.
1: <laughs> we'll leave that alone. <laughs> well, thanks, Ricky. I
2: appreciate that. Yeah. I do love doing well, it's, this. Is, it's so much fun. It's, it's, it is, yeah, cool, man. It is. Yep. Uh, it's added a different dynamic, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. We've, we've been trying to do it for a couple years, and I can say, like, in our group chat, like, the momentum is building, and Ricky's like, what momentum? I'm like, for real. We got totally momentum. We're going. Farmer totally is, has to leave. He has to go. You're going to a, golf, a driving range to go work. No,
1: no, no, no. golf course up by my house. I got a golf course close to my house and I help my buddy, and we're going to weed whack some ditches so I can find my golf ball Thursday.
0: Instead of going to the golf course to actually play, you're going to go do
1: manual labor. Yeah. I don't get that. I guy. love working. I love working.
0: Yeah, there's no need. Look, I need to work. I got no money, but I don't like working. Forget that. I'm going to go to the range right now. Ricky, what's up with this guy?
2: <laughs> I wish I was going to the range.
0: Oh, come on. You, you, come on, Rick. You're, look, pretty soon we'll go back to your house in the Dominican Republic. We'll play golf down there. We'll be all right. <laughs> there we go. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Tim Reigns for sure. Lock it in. Uh, if you guys have any questions, let us know. Instagram. Uh, let's go, Ricky Rowe. All the messages that you do send, I do see them, and I pass it on to the guys. Uh, totally usually responds three days later?
1: No, I get right back to you. Don't listen. All these fans, don't <laughs> buy into this. I live off the grid a little bit, but I don't live out in the <laughs> woods. 24,
2: 24 to 36 hours, guaranteed. You oh, know I'm, what?
1: Hold 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 hold. Hold. You know. Let, let me
2: Let me look through the message. Yeah, funny, yeah you must... He must have had a good reception this morning.
0: Oh, he did? Okay. No, no, no. Day of the podcast, he does leave his grid or his, like, wilderness, his encampment, wherever he's at. But usually it takes <laughs> a couple of days. And I know your wife is listening to this, and she's not in her head. She knows what's going on. Let's oh, that's see. That's right. Uh, yesterday I, I texted. He responded back immediately yesterday.
1: Yeah. See?
2: Uh-huh. Okay. Well, after, the, after, the Tulo, after the Tulo episode, – uh you, you, you texted him, and then I texted him, and then we didn't hear anything. Yeah, you're right. Two days later after that one. <laughs> I
1: said dynamite. I said that was dynamite. Great work. What do you guys want me to keep? just keep writing to you guys? I ain't got that kind
0: of time. Two little episodes last week. Totally. Totally, you're the best. All Ricky, right. uh, I'll talk Good to you job, soon. Right. We'll see you guys in right. another edition. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Let's go, Ricky Rowe.